Chapter 1, I'd like to just say a few things about the supernatural elements regarding the birth of Christ. But just for a little quick title, we just call this God Can Do So Much More, So Much More. Um, Matthew 1, verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, a son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Let's pray. Father, again, it is our great privilege to be able to break the bread of life, to look into the word of the Lord. For a few moments now, God, we need you to speak to each of us, give us ears to hear as we think about this season when your son came into this world. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Matthew had a desire to get to the root of the problems of family history. That's why in chapter 1 we have this long list of genealogies. His motive was to demonstrate that Jesus came from good stock, that he was in line as a royal figure to sit on the throne of David. That's why in chapter 1, verse 17, it's important to see the three sections that he deals with. Well, when Jesus was born, he was born to a woman who had not known a man, as Matthew describes. The point of his description with so many supernatural parts to the story is so that each reader would know. There's no way on this earth a man could have made up this story or this could have been achieved by any human means had to be divine, it had to be divinely planned, and then it had to be divinely enacted. Well, he says here that she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how she would have conveyed this to Joseph. I don't know how she would have explained to him that the reason my belly is growing is because of something God had did. I have no doubt that whatever kind of answer she came up with, that Joseph was not willing to believe it. But the scripture in verse 19 tells us of his character. He was a righteous man, a just man. And he didn't want to do anything that was going to bring shame or embarrassment to Mary or her family. And with a lot of consideration, you can see that he gave a lot of thought to this. He wanted to try to do this in such a way that it would not create a whole lot of problems. How can we break off this relationship? The Hebrew people, like other people in the around the world today, once you have the engagement, what in ancient times they called the betrothal service, you were essentially married. The only thing that had not taken place is you had not brought your bride into your home to live with you. But for all religious purposes and even legal purposes, 
Once the engagement went into effect, gifts had been exchanged. Then you two had pledged your loved love one to another. You essentially were married. But here's a man now going so far as to say, I want to break this off. This was a big deal. This was no small matter at all. And as verse 20 tells us, he thought about this. I mean, every waking moment of his life, he was thinking about this. During the daytime, in the afternoon, in the morning, this was something that was a burden upon his heart. Here is a woman that I'm supposed to spend the rest of my life with, and now she comes up with this cockamamie story about God has impregnated her. Now, if you don't think it's an odd story to hear, just imagine in the 21st century if your daughter or your fiancé were to say to you that they were pregnant by God. I mean, you'd, you'd probably call for somebody at the insane asylum or something or want to get somebody checked out to see if they were mentally there. This young lady had a visitation of God that's recorded in Luke. It was real to her. And some experiences that you have, they are real to you, they are authentic, but because no one else was involved with it, they refused to believe that it could be true. And it didn't change the fact that she was pregnant, but the, but the fact that Joseph had not entered into the experience, he could not believe that, that something like this could happen. So in his mind, there must be a rational explanation for why you're, why you're pregnant. And the only explanation I can understand or believe is you stepped out on me. You have been with someone that you're not supposed to be with. And you can see the, the difference in the thinking. For Joseph, it was an impossibility that God was involved. But according to verse 20, God was involved all the way. So while he thought on these things, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him. He's trying to figure out a way to get out of the marriage. God's trying to figure out a way where God's using an angel to, to create a way for him to stay in the marriage. We're looking for a way out sometimes, but God's trying to preserve for us a pathway to remain in the in the direction that that we're going. And so this is why the angel comes and says to him, don't be afraid to take her. Well, there probably was a little bit of fear. He's talking about having to raise someone else's child. He certainly, as I said, doesn't believe that that God is the one who's the father of the baby. Nevertheless, God intervenes and the angel comes and says, what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, that is what he needed to hear. See, Mary believes it's of God. The angel believes it's of God. Joseph did not believe it is of God. But now God is coming to him in a dream and speaking to him. And sometimes this is how God has to do it. Supernatural ways to change our thinking. Now, imagine while he was awake, he did not believe God had anything to do with this. But one dream, I don't know how long it lasted, 45 seconds, 45 minutes or four and a half hours. But I do know this one dream changed this man's life and destiny. One dream. And God is able to do that. Now, to to show you how this can even work in today's society where we were just ministering over in East Africa, the, the denomination that I was preaching for, 
they had a man who had basically appointed himself the general superintendent for life. And he was surrounded by people who were going to ensure that he would never get out of office. Well, this man, he had got to the point where he had really lost his focus and his vision. He had banned all evangelism throughout the country. Wouldn't let anybody hold any open air meetings or revivals or anything like that. So for years, it was just a bad situation and even persecuted people that did hold evangelistic meetings. Well, they were looking for a way to get them out, but they couldn't get them out through their church constitution. I had told them the last time that I was there, I said, look, with everything you guys have told me and with everything I have heard, I just think he's going to lay down and go to sleep and just never wake up. You know, because you, you just can't treat God's people like this. And then uh, these things don't fall under the judgment of God. Well, eventually he died, but. They told me another story when I got back there this time. They said there was an elderly man who was an AG preacher over there, and he was probably in his 90s or so. And this man, getting old and got sick or something, passed away. Well, while they're taking him away in the ambulance or something, taking him to the hospital, he has a dream or vision, but... He wakes up in that ambulance as they're taking him to, uh, to, to deal with him since he had passed away. And he woke up and he said he had had this vision. And in the vision, he said he needed all the bishops of, the, of his denomination to gather together. All of them did. And he, he asked, he said, well, is Bishop Karani here? Said he, said he is. And, uh, he, he told the story how when he had died, he said in that dream, he said he went to heaven and he said that Jesus had told him that he was coming home. But he said he wasn't coming home alone. He's coming home with that general superintendent and told him that there was a, a place, a town where he wanted a church to be planted and wanted somebody to preach there. So this this elderly gentleman got all of these bishops in his room and the general superintendent. And he tells this. He says it to the general superintendent that Jesus said, I'm going to die and you're going to be coming home with me. So, of course, the general superintendent in front of everybody got angry and started saying, no, you die alone. I'm not going anywhere. And all that kind of a thing it was a real ruckus in front of all of those people. But when that night that old man passed away, the general superintendent had a stroke, had a stroke and. They tried for a couple of months to try to get him to different doctors to try to help him and try to get some some kind of movement in different parts of his body. But right at three months, he had he all of his hair because he's an older gentleman. He had dyed all of his hair black and he had gotten up in a pulpit and told the people that I'm, I'm going to be the general superintendent until the Lord comes. And, and that's all there is to that. And that night he died. So here's a man had a, had a dream, told it to all the bishops. That old man passes away. Three months later, that general superintendent passes away also. Well, if, if, if they hadn't had 60 other bishops in the room that heard the story, there would have been a lot of people who didn't believe it. The point I'm trying to get at is you can have an experience with God and it be very real to you, but somebody on the outside who hadn't had that same experience won't believe it. But you know it's God. You know it's God. 
When Joseph wakes up, he understands that what has occurred in his life is supernatural and it's divine. And he realizes in just a few moments that his thinking has to shift. He's considering breaking off the relationship. He's not even thinking about the possibilities of what can come out of all of this. But I can't help but think of that verse in Isaiah 55 where the Lord is saying, look, let the wicked person and the unrighteous person forsake their way and let them return to me because my ways are not your ways. and My thoughts are not your thoughts and mine are higher than yours. Then you consider Ephesians 3 and 20 where the scripture says, now unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. Joseph gave considerable thought to this. But he couldn't think like God on this issue. He couldn't understand that this was going to be the savior. When we're thinking about things, we we our, our thoughts are on a leash. They can only go so far. But when you're dealing with God, you're dealing with somebody who can do anything he wants to do. And he can do it above your greatest thought, greatest imagination. God can do something that's far beyond that. And you know that the thinking of man has to be powerful. This is how we were able to get from planet Earth to the moon. And to put a, a, a mobile vehicle on Mars because of somebody's thinking. This is why we have inventors, telephone, television. This is why we have individuals who are mechanically inclined and they can look at something and without even touching it in their heads, they can figure out how it's supposed to operate. So that the thinking faculty in the human is a powerful thing. But there are some things that that because we have a leash on our thoughts, we are tethered to the natural and we have a hard time believing that God can be involved with it in a supernatural way. And that's when God has to step in with an angel. Then the angel has to let you know that God's bigger than you. You've got your plan. God has his plan. His plan is bigger than your plan. So you need to submit to his will, get out of his way and let him do what he wants to do. Even if in your thinking it doesn't make sense. It doesn't have to make sense when it comes to God. Because when God's moving, good things happen. So verse 21 there, he says, he shall save his people. Now, you can see there in the KJV in verse 21, it says, thou shalt call his name. So thou, meaning you singular, you will call his name Jesus. But then it says that the people are going to call his name Emmanuel in verse 23, which being interpreted means God with us. So it's the father who's going to give the name to the child. That's the same thing happened with John the Baptist. Zechariah named him John. And then his kin said to him, well, why are you naming him John? We, you don't have anybody in your family by that name. Well, that's because that's what he's supposed to name him. So the father here is told, Joseph, who's going to be the one who overseeing Jesus as he's being raised along with Mary, says, you're going to call his name Jesus because his name signifies his mission. It signifies his vocation. He's going to be a deliverer, a rescuer, a redeemer. He's going to be someone that's going to pull people out of iniquity and out of sins. And there are no kinds of sins God can deliver us from. So the lady out of whom went a multitude of devils, she was set free. Let's not forget the woman who came to him and bathed his 
feet with her tears. And they said, if you knew what kind of woman this was, you wouldn't even let her anywhere near you. And let's not forget the self-righteous scribes and Pharisees who in turn began to follow the Lord. Nicodemus being one of them. So the point I'm getting at is that the Gospels give us stories of people who turned from sin to follow Jesus just like we did. And if I were to ask in here tonight who in your past you might have had problems with alcohol, it'd probably be somebody. If I said who in here has had problems with, uh, with some kind of other substance abuse, it'd probably be somebody. If I said who in here had, had, had a problem with, with your language, with your speech, bad words and stuff, there'd be, there'd be people. If I said who in here struggled with pride, self-righteousness, you just always felt like you were better and equal to anybody and, and all that kind of thing, that'd be all of us, you see. So the point is God can deliver us from ourselves and we need deliverance from ourselves. And if the Lord doesn't provide the salvation, then we're in trouble. The ground at the foot of the cross is level. You're no better, no worse than anybody else when you come into the kingdom of God. Doesn't matter how educated you are, how little educated you are. You may make a whole lot of money, may not make any money. If you know God, you're smarter than a whole lot of people in this world. That's the key. And that's why Joseph here in verse 24, it says when he woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord told him to do. Have you done that? Have you listened to what the messenger of God has said to you each time you've read the scriptures? Have you heard what God has said for you to do? Or are you the kind of person who follows teachers and leaders who are like Joseph before the dream? See, Joseph before the dream couldn't believe that God was involved. And if you follow some teachers on radio, some scholars and some writers, they'll tell you there's no way on this earth you can believe that Jesus actually was born of a virgin. There's no way he he literally died on the cross for somebody else's sins. That's impossible. Surely you don't believe he was raised from the dead. That That's the spirit of Joseph before the dream. But the Joseph that experienced the dream, the Joseph that came to a, a wonderful knowledge of the power of God in the middle of all of this, it says when he woke up from the, his sleep, he did what the angel told him to do. And this is why our role is to make sure that the gospel goes into the greater parts of the earth. And this is why we're called to be Christians right here where we live. God had to help this man because he married a woman. And then as verse 25 says, he had no physical physical relationship with her until she brought forth Jesus, firstborn child. What a miracle. What a miracle to think that God wants all of us to know that this birth is surrounded with supernatural events. Folks, don't let anybody with the spirit of Joseph before the dream try to convince you that this book is not supernatural. And don't let anybody rob you of your faith. You hold on to what God says. And don't be afraid to change your mind. Just make sure when you change it, you change it to believe in the supernatural. Don't ever change your mind and go in reverse. You change it to believe in the supernatural and good things will occur. Amen? Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, again, it's our privilege to be able to celebrate at this season the birth of our Savior. We are happy he has redeemed us. There were a lot of times in our lives where we were in need of help. But 
Father, we thank you for rescuing us. We love you. We worship you. We honor you and praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said, Amen, 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 Amen.